Welcome to the Lady Night Restand podcast. There's uh, five minutes to go in uh, England's game against France. And I'm in a bar behind the stadium in Seville where Manchester United have just played a friendly game against Real Betis. Obviously, that was the most important game of football in the world today. And now we're watching England beat France. It's a cracking game of football. And it looks like England are going out again. This podcast has been brought to you in association with Betfred. Fred Doe opened his first shop in Salford. It's a red in 1967. And I've been in, uh, been in Spain for five days on this tour. Ah. United have played games in Cadiz, lost 4-2, and lost 1-0 against Real Betis. So, 15 Manchester United players have been in the World Cup Finals, so very young squad out here. So there's no shame in losing those games. First 15 minutes was bad against Cadiz. Cadiz is a wonderful city. There's been a lot of rain here. And we're in Seville now, which is another wonderful city. United have been in a hotel close to Jerez. Uh, on Friday... I went to watch training and had a long sit down with Eric Tenog. Enjoyed that, very interesting man. Not spoke to him for that period of time since he joined United. I'm starting to see some of the stories coming out from those interviews. Couple of hundred people here. Uh, United fans. Wow, eight minutes left. Players' families are here. All around uh, a very large television screen. The vast majority of people here are supporting England. Spanish are looking like <laughs> what's going on here so if the young players who've done well on this tour say tour's only two matches uh, Kobe Menu against uh, Cadiz you've got to think a lot of these players are teenagers and they're up against 
uh, La Liga opponents and Cadiz might be near the bottom of La Liga but their last competitive game was a 2-1 defeat at Real Madrid in the Bernabeu Real Betis who beat United 1-0 are sixth in La Liga good team got 16 out of 18 points in their Europa League group stage being a football fan you know the, the tension in this England game is incredible and even a neutral will just be watching this thinking this is a great game of football lots of people singing for the Manchester United players here So the United players who've been knocked out will be coming back. So Christian Eriksen, for example, will be back in Old Trafford on Monday. You'll probably be listening to this on Monday or Sunday. Um, with other players, it's to be decided as and when, when they want to come back. In England here pushing, trying a cross going in, and Hugo Lloris just gets it. I think it was good for Aaron Wambasaka to play. I think he played 81 minutes against Real Betis. So there's a couple of minutes now, let's see now. I'm outside the stadium, there's about 45 minutes to kick off. I'm at the back of Cadiz's really steep main stand. The stadium, I really like it. It's very tight, very close to the pitch. The stands are really steep. It holds around 19,000, and it was redeveloped about 15 years ago. Surrounded by bars and loads of noise, and it's really at the heart of the community. And yet, 100 metres from here on one side is the Atlantic Ocean. And on the other side, 300 metres away, is ocean as well. So really is a privileged position. And with Rafa, who, who lives here, who works with uh, Cadiz, how do you feel about Manchester United coming to play this friendly here? Well, for us, it's a pleasure, a pleasure to, to welcome uh, such a team uh, like Manchester United. Uh, I think that, uh, if I am not wrong, it's the first time that they come to Cadiz, so for the fans, for the city, for us, uh, the workers, it's a pleasure to have such a good players and also... Uh, we all see like the Red Devils in the Premier League, so for us it's like a party for our fans. Uh, our players are looking forward to playing this game, so I think that it's a, a party for, for everyone. Tell us about um, the football club of, of Cadiz. It's one of the clubs with most history in Spain. Uh, like We were like very famous because of uh, one player that we had a like, long time ago, Magico González, from El Salvador. And well, uh, we are like the giant killers because uh, in the last seasons we defeat uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona, this season Atletico de Madrid. So we know that we have to work very hard to, to stay in the top flight in, the, in La Liga. 
but uh, sometimes uh, against big teams, uh, we, go, we, we make like good performances. So maybe today against Manchester United, we can make the surprise. And it's famous for the fans here. The fans have got a reputation for being noisy, for always singing. Do people in Cadiz support Cadiz? Or do people here also support Barcelona, Real Madrid and Sevilla? The people from Cadiz are like 100% supporting Cadiz. Uh, they are like very passionate. Uh, they don't support other teams like Real Madrid, Barcelona, Leti. They are like fully uh, for Cadiz. So I think that uh, it's one of the things that you must appreciate from the people from Cali that they have their heart and they head their head only for for their team so yeah in the stadium they are like all the whole time singing supporting the players and uh, it doesn't matter the game it doesn't matter the the division but they are always there for the team like five or six years ago we were like in the second B division and uh, the stadium was was always like full of people so Right now we are in the top flight in La Liga and also the stadium is full of fans. So whatever is, whatever is the team, the fans are always there for the team. Tell us about the city of Seville. It's beautiful, no? Seville? Yeah. Um, sorry, sorry, I'm keeping that in because that's my mistake. <laughs> we are in Cadiz. I, I, we're in Cadiz and Seville is also beautiful so and beautiful. we will go there. Tell us about the city of, of, of Cadiz because it's beautiful as well. Yeah, it's, it's like an it's not an island, but it's like a it's, it's close to an island because uh, it's full of it's surrounded by by water by by the ocean. It's uh, from my point of view the most beautiful city in Spain. It's very famous in summer because everyone comes to spend the holidays here. But you know uh, to live here like during the year the weather is really good. It's always uh, like with with sun with uh, a good weather. So it's a really comfortable place to live, and also uh, we have like a, a culture here with the carnival, with the Semana Santa. Uh, I mean, it's a, a, a city with idiosyncrasy. What's the main industries here? Is it a working class town? Is Obrero, or is it? Uh, I know many of the the boats for the Canary Islands leave yeah. from here, for example, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, it's a. Um, it's a city with uh, people that work very hard to to keep mo moving forward. So people here are always like very warm, very workers, very, very hard workers. But yeah, uh, here we have like the industry of the boats that is very important for for the development of the of the industry here in Spain. And also, yeah, people here, most of the people work for the for the boats. We've spoken about this famous player, Magico Gonzalez. Tell us why he was such a hero here, because there's truth and there's legend, and I read stories about him going out to a disco the night before a game, turning up, being on the bench, coming off the bench, scoring two goals against Barcelona, this type of stuff. You can see why people really fell in love with this guy. I don't know, but if you see like the, I mean, the the goals, the all that he has done for Cardiff, uh, I mean. He was really, really good. He was like a magician with the ball. Also, uh, Maradona said that Magico Gonzalez was better than him. And here, it was, he was like a simple guy in the streets with the people, with the fans. He was very close to the fans. It was a really big pleasure for us. He came here like two months ago to spend time with the fans because he's like a god here. 
and you know uh, when a player don't want to go to big teams and he wants to play for Cadiz for the Cadiz fans is something that uh, you can never forget and about his other life I don't know because yeah. and who are the main rivals for Cadiz is it Sevilla Betis Malaga the, the other Andalusian teams or Jerez just close by no it, I mean Cadiz maybe Sevilla is like the the most important city in in Andalucía, one of the big uh, cities in, in Spain, but I think that what Cadiz has, Seville don't has it. So the beach, the environment of the city, you know, the the people, obviously the people here are very, very, very nice. Uh, Cadiz, uh, when you come to Cadiz, you fall in love with Cadiz and you want to come more times. So, yeah. Thank you. Probably be wasting a long time. So Cadiz just beat Manchester United 4-2. Um, pretty weak side to begin with. Uh, Anthony Martial did OK, took a good penalty. But United were 2-0 down after 13 minutes. 2-1 down at half-time. Uh, Kobe Maynard made it 2-all after 47 minutes. And then Cadiz's experience in class completely told. They're a La Liga side. They've got one player at the World Cup. Manchester United have got 15 and uh, Cadiz's last competitive game was a 2-1 defeat at Real Madrid away so that, that's what you're up against a lot of the United players in the second half were 17 uh, years old so great experience for them a crowd of about 10,000 in this wonderful stadium in this wonderful city and there's quite a lot of United fans around and they've come from far and wide where have you come from, what's your name? Hi, uh, my name's Gideon um, I've come from uh, Gibraltar uh, but I'm originally from Manchester I've lived there for about four years um, there's a big following of United fans there um, so I came with a couple of mates um, and uh, my friend took some, he took his nephew and a couple of his friends. Um, unfortunately, some of them were Liverpool fans. So. <laughs> where are you from in Manchester? The, uh, Salford. And what took, whereabouts in Salford? Um, uh, Broughton Park. Yeah, what took yeah, you to? It's quite near... Uh, Salford City's ground. Yeah, very near there. Um, so my wife is from Gibraltar. Right, so, okay. Um, we lived there for about six years and yeah. we moved out to Gibraltar for a, for a better life. And is in, it a better life? In the sun, yeah, with more sunshine, yeah. uh, definitely milder. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a more like family orientated. It's, very, it's a very small place, Gibraltar. 30,000 people. 30,000, yeah. Around a rock. Around a rock, yeah, a big steep rock and, and the monkeys. Um, Juicy free uh, alcohol. Do you go into Spain much? Across the, the yeah, border? Yeah, occasionally, yeah, in, in the weekends. Um, it can be very busy, the border. And there's, there's been issues there with, uh, with queues and yeah. things are a bit up in the air with uh, the Brexit deal. Which, Long-standing issues exactly. going back to the Franco yeah. era and even before that. So tell us about Manchester United support in, in Gibraltar. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a good number of fans. I think um, most of the people they support either, I mean, apart from the local teams they support, United and Liverpool seem to be the main teams, probably the historically best English teams. Um, there's a local supporters group and they, do, uh, they have like a, a bar and they show all the games there. Um, I think in, in the past I've had a few trips there from some old United legends. Yeah. I think Fergie went there in maybe, could have been the, the late 90s. Mm. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, yeah, that, um, that, that's true. There was actually a team called yeah. Manchester United in the top flight of Gibraltar area yeah. football. But they had to change the name to Manchester 63. That's right, As yeah. a condition of Gibraltar being... Uh, allowed Passing into UEFA, UEFA. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't have like Manchester United playing against Manchester United. It took them a long time to get into UEFA as well. Um, actually, about uh, two years ago, I went to Gibraltar against Holland in the Faro. 
Yeah. yeah. No, no, it was actually in Gibraltar. Wow. It was in the qualifiers for... Um, could have been the Nations League. Yeah. I'm not sure. Or, may, or maybe the European Championships. Um, I think it was about 7, seven or 8 nil to, to the Netherlands. Do you get back to Manchester much? Yeah, I go a couple of times a year. Um, my parents are actually coming out here in, in a couple of weeks. So they'll see their grandchildren. Um, but yeah, I, I miss Manchester. It's, you, know, you miss going to it, the game? It's, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, anyone stand out for you tonight in the defeat against uh, La Liga side Cadiz? <sighs> hard question, that. It's a hard question. That, to be honest, I thought, I thought Juan Bissaka and... and Brandon Williams and, and Van der Beek were a bit poor, but yeah. not really, not really surprising. Um, I was a bit surprised to see Garnacho on the right and yeah. Alanger on the left. Yeah. I would have thought, it. did they switch it? No. Yeah, I mean they normally play on opposite sides. I just yeah. think he's trying it out. And why trying, not yeah. try it out? Yeah, and, exactly. And um, All right. Well, finally, how do you think United will do this season? Yeah, I think we're doing well. I mean, you know, I think now that Ronaldo's left, mm. um, you know, we can move on without the distraction. Yeah. And uh, I definitely think we can get that top four. And hopefully we'll progress in the Cups. Thanks for yeah. your time. All right. It's nice to meet you, Andy. Nice to meet you, you too. Take care. Of course you can. To some more United fans. What's your name? Where are you from? I'm Gavin. I'm from Portugal, the Algarve. Your, your, your accent does not sound Portuguese. I went to international school. <laughs> right, OK. I was that, born in England, though. You're born in England? Me and my brother both born in England. You're born in England, both of you, yeah? Um, but you've both grown up in, in Portugal. In Portugal, yeah. In, my dad was a Manchester United fan, so okay. follow on from there. And you, what's uh, your name? My name is Yana. That's my wife. And where I'm, are you from? I'm from Ukraine. Okay. Very far, yeah. And you're wearing a United shirt, so you're a United yes. fan as well? Of course, I'm the biggest United, Manchester United fan, of from course. From your village in Ukraine? From, from, <laughs> yeah, from, from Vinnytsia, from Vinnytsia. Okay. Almost. It's central Ukraine. Uh, how long has it taken you to get here to Cadiz? It's about a four-hour drive from okay. central Portugal to get here. And is it the first time you've seen United play? It's or? first time live, yes. Really? Yeah. What did you make of it? It was, it was good. I came here mainly to see uh, Garnacho play. Mm-hmm. I was really impressed with him. Last few games for United. I know it's been like a... They had a bit of a break since the Fulham game. About three weeks now, I think, mm-hmm. since the last game. So, not as fresh, but... There's glimpses. There was? Why United? My dad supported them. Yeah. He supported them because he knew George Best yeah. back when he lived in the UK. Uh, we're from Malaysia originally. Wow. So even further than that. <laughs> well, he got quite a story. Yeah. So from Malaysia originally, dad lived in UK, now live in Portugal with a Ukrainian wife. I like this. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't the world a wonderful place? United Nations right here. Yeah. <laughs> and you're driving back tonight or are you going to the second friendly in Seville? We're driving back tonight, two days rest, and then we'll drive to Betis. Uh, to Seville, watch Betis. Why didn't you stay in uh, Spain to save all the got, driving? Got work. You've got work <laughs> to do. Um, how do you normally watch Manchester United games in central Portugal? And what uh, do your friends a... think of you supporting United? Uh, me and my brother, we own a bar restaurant. So right. uh, it's a sports bar. Yeah. So we show all the matches every game. Right. About how many TVs? We have about seven TVs. <laughs> we'll Three sports boxes. Give it a free advert then. Which town are you in? Uh, we're in Carvero. Right. It's um, it's called Algarve 2000. <laughs> right, so it's in it's in, in the Algarve. In the Algarve. Right. Yeah, it's a Carvero, a small fishing village, in the centre. All right. Well, that's the friendly one. A lot of people might go on holiday to the Algarve. Uh, what's your prediction for United this season? Uh, top four, uh, maybe third. Okay. Um, my favourite player is uh, Martinez this season. He's provided lots of stability in the back four. I think uh, Langa should, no, Langa, um, Garnacho should 
get a lot more game time now mm. on left wing. Mm. Uh, Ronaldo's gone, obviously, so there's a big spot to fill there. Maybe new signing in the in January. Who's going to win the World Cup? Portugal. Has to be. <laughs> You're going to you want to be saying England? I'm not. Because I think England will win it. But I think England have done well. Could be a good match. England, uh, France. Just in the hotel in Seville before the Betis United games. Quite a few United fans in here watching uh, Morocco against Portugal. Where are you from, lads? Yeah, Ireland. 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 I'd never have guessed that by your accent. <laughs> yeah. so where, whereabouts? Uh, just outside Dublin. Mm-hmm. Ten minutes outside Dublin. Yeah. And you've, you've come over here just for the game? First yeah, time. we're part of a sports club, the Calera MUFC right. Sports Club. So we've just started up there recently. So this is our first away trip. And how many of you have come on this one? Uh, there are six of us on this one. From your new supporters club? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So and how many people have you got in the supporters club? We're following on 50 on Instagram, but we're only kind of small. I mean, we've less than 10 members at the minute, so we're just right. trying to boost it going at the minute. Like, so. And then if you get 50, you can become an official become support. Become an official support club then, yeah. And so. did you see the story yesterday that United have got 330,000 paid-up members now? So biggest in world football, that is now. But I found it quite interesting because club have never played up the figures over the years, whereas rival clubs have. And yet I'd see all sorts of dubious figures of clubs like Benfica saying we're the biggest club in the world. And I think, well, how are you measuring that? And it's the equivalent of measuring it on you know, likes on Facebook. It didn't mean anything. So how have you got from uh, Dublin to Seville? Straight flight from Dublin to Seville this right. morning, yeah. I flew in here. We landed here about 10 o'clock this morning. And why come all this way for a friendly? Well, we were just sitting in the office and working. We were just kind of bored. And we said we'd have a look at it. And it worked out well with the flights and the price of the tickets weren't that bad. So we said we'd, we'd take a punt at it over the sports club. Or... We're back for a week and then we're heading over to the League Cup match again Burnley then on the 21st. So, so you, come out, you come over quite a lot? Yeah, we were over in October yeah. for the West Ham match. Yeah. So, yeah. We try and get over two or three times a year to Old Trafford. And then this is like that's our first away trip now this time. So, How are you feeling about the team at the moment? Uh, so far, yeah, it's positive, I think. It's a lot positive more than last year. And uh, Ronaldo issues sorted and all that now, it'd be nice to see Ten Hag kind of stamp his foot into it now and get the, the team back playing. We're not doing too bad. We started off shaky, but we're coming back like so. The winter break might help us now. Yeah, I, I think team's going quite well. I think we have to be looking for a number nine now in January. I think that's the glaring hole in the team and probably a backup right back. I think other positions, I think we're fairly okay. I've just written a story about that. Article, yeah. It's not been published yet. It will be out tomorrow morning um, in The Athletic. And uh, I had time with uh, Eric Ten Hag, um, along with some other journalists. We spoke to him for an hour. And, um, well, I might as well say it now because people listening to this will, will be after. It'll be after, yeah. Um, yeah, he's looking for a, a number nine in January. That's dependent on some pretty complex characters the one being available who's good enough to improve the team and I don't see a long list of them no. who's also available at the right price and when you see Manchester United's financial figures and the, <laughs> over, the overspend in the summer I don't think we're going to see Mbappe coming to Old Trafford in, uh, Anytime soon, no. in January but there's definitely a shortage there isn't there yeah, even worldwide though like number nines are very hard to find and if, if they're good they're old so like it's, it is a hard position to try and find worldwide anyway at the minute yeah what do you think of Martial? Because you also spoke about him. I, I like Martial. I just, he's just so injury prone. I just think if he got a good season, got him 15, 20 goals, I think he'd be good for United. He just needs to stay injury free. Martial? 
Yeah, like Martial, again, as Aaron said, very injury prone. I think you have to be looking at someone like a Cody Gakpo in January. I think that's a deal that could get done. I think if Gakpo forces the move, I think it's there. Or else I think you're looking more of a stopgap, maybe a Memphis Depay type of a, just to get us into the summer and have a look at it then. So you're near, near Dublin. I saw a, a video that went viral this week from Mayo, is it? Mayo. Mayo. Yeah, it was um, a guy taking the piss out of lads with North Face jackets, shaved head to the top. He was just brilliant and he's a very talented Irish lad. Humor, that's us, it yeah. was absolutely brilliant. I mean, I don't know how he's going to continue to be mates because he sent every single boy in the <laughs> town up but it made me absolutely laugh skin fade North Face jacket <laughs> alright so enjoy the game then against Betis and see you later on using the internet without ExpressVPN is like leaving your keys in your car while you're running to the petrol station for something to eat most of the time you're probably fine but what if you come back to see someone driving off with your car why does anyone need a VPN. Well, every time you connect to an unencrypted network in cafes, hotels, airports, any hacker can do the same on the network and gain access to your personal data, your passwords, your financial details, etc. It doesn't take much technical knowledge to hack somebody. Just some cheap hardware is needed. A 12-year-old could do it. Well, a bright 12-year-old. Your data is valuable. Hackers can make up to £1,000 per person. Selling personal information on the dark web. So why use ExpressVPN? It's got an encrypted tunnel which creates a secure encrypted area between your device and the internet. Hackers cannot steal your sensitive data. It's secure. Take a hacker with a super, super computer. A million years to get past ExpressVPN's encryption. It's easy to use as well. We use it. You can fire up the app and click on one button and get you protected. And it also works on all devices, phones, laptops, tablets and more. So you can stay secure on the go. We use it. It's easy. It's effective. We've used other VPNs and this is the best one that we've used. You can secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com forward slash united. That's E-X-P-R-E. SSVPN.com forward slash United and you can get an extra three months for absolutely nothing. ExpressVPN.com forward slash United. So I'm in Seville. There's quite a few United fans about. What's your name? Where are you from? Kevin, I'm from Stafford. Okay. And you're telling me before you supported United for quite a while. Yeah, I uh, went to my first match in uh, September 1957. We lost to Wolves 3 1. So I'm happy to say that I did see the Babes play. Sadly, I can't remember it because I was too young. I was only four at the time. How did you get to the game? Uh, because a relative of mine was a close mate of Tommy Taylor when he was at Barnsley. Uh, he played professional football as well for uh, uh, Doncaster Rovers, Bristol City. Um, and uh, he came down to uh, visit the family where I lived at the time, near Wolverhampton. And uh, he got two complimentary tickets for the match. Wow. And my dad didn't want to go because he wasn't a football fan, he was a snooker fan. So you went? So I went. And, uh, well, we're at Molyneux this month, aren't we? We're we are indeed, there. yes, I've got my ticket. So from that part of the world, Duncan Edwards, who was probably the best-known babe, Yeah. but there was another one, you know, a guy called Gordon Clayton, he was a goalkeeper, he was from Dudley. Um, and he travelled up to Manchester with Duncan Edwards on the day he signed for United. And the reason I know that is because Gordon, who played professional, played for Manchester United, 
Um, he was my dad's manager in the 1980s. He was a lovely fella. He died, he died really young, but he'd moved up to Manchester in, um, with Duncan Edwards and stayed. Um, so it's a part of the world which produces footballers. It does. But you've always been united. I've always been united. I was born in Yorkshire, but uh, raised in, in Staffordshire. And I've, well, I can't say as I've followed them all over the world because it's been difficult. But um, as I was mentioning to you earlier, I was in Madrid in 68 for the semi-final on a charter flight from Ringway. Got back at about five o'clock in the morning and wondered how the hell am I going to get money to buy a ticket for the final at Wembley. And I sold my bike. Right. How much did you pay for... Well, the 15-shilling ticket, I think it cost me about eight quid, right. which was... A lot of money, then. It was about half of my dad's wages at the time. I was still at school. Um, but um, memories never to be forgotten, especially in, in the fountains in uh, Trafalgar Square on the, the, the night and the morning afterwards. So the Bernabeu in 68, that's when Bill Fawkes found himself very far up the field. Yes, and yeah, our great striker, Bill Fawkes, yeah. Paddy Creran looked to him and said... Uh, <laughs> In perfect, uh, perfectly polite Glaswegian accent. What the fuck are you doing up here? <laughs> yeah. One of the great Manchester United performances. It, it was. It, it's also they reckon it's the second biggest ever crowd to watch Manchester United. One hundred and twenty-five thousand. Can you remember where you were in the stadium that night? Um, I was somewhere near Saturn. I think we were that right, high so up right the, at the top. Right yeah. at the top. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I, I still doubt those figures. I'm not having them at all. Uh, United's official. Stats would say that the biggest ever crowd was also in Madrid in 58, 1-3-5. I just don't think the Burnabout ever held that many at all. I've got no concept. Yeah, I just yeah. know it was a hell of a yeah. lot, lot of people and the, the noise and the, the, the warmth as well in the, in the city at the time. So they were friendly to you, yeah? Um, uh, yeah, so-so, but it's, it's so long ago. I vaguely remember the, you know, the, the, the bus into the ground from the... Uh, from the airport and then we were milling around waiting for getting a, a coach back to the airport and, and what have you and getting back to Ringway at five o'clock in the morning I thought right how am I going to get home well like I did for most games at United in those days I hitchhiked but you were a kid what did your parents say how did you get on a plane to Madrid did someone have to pretend to be your dad or something yeah there was there was some there was somebody that um uh was was helpful at that time but I don't think anybody looked at, at passports then so uh, I managed to get away and I did look older than my age Wow um, How are you feeling about Manchester United at the moment? Um, I'm feeling quietly encouraged I've, I've been pleased so far with what uh, Eric's done with regard to reorganising the, the team and the background and what have you I just have my major concerns as to where the club is financially at the moment, it, it, it does worry me significantly that unless we get new investment and the Glazers out as quickly as possible, um, I, I do fear for the club's future. What type of investment would that look like? Because I can see issues coming where there might be potential suitors, state-backed, for example, um, Glazers Mark II, American venture capitalists, and I can see divisions among the fan base where some people say Model A is fine, Model B is fine. Uh, what would you be comfortable or uncomfortable with as a form of ownership? Um, I, I would have discomfort at, at both. Yeah. Uh, the Americans believe in a business franchise, which I don't think is suited to the English game or even the, the European game. That, hence the European Super League and that, that sort of thing. 
Um, I've got concerns about um, state backing from Middle Eastern countries, from China, because of the noise going on around it. Um, somewhere from somebody from somewhere like India, for example, might be a better option potentially. Uh, but has anyone in the UK got the sort of money that United need to buy the Glazers out and put the club back on the footing where it was? Very, very few people. If any, in all yeah. honesty, Andy. Yeah, yeah, so it's, uh, it's a difficult one. All right, I'm going to head into the stadium now and watch Manchester United against Real Betis, the big game in world football today. Of course, it's England, France and Morocco, uh, Portugal as well. Good to see you. Just bumped into... Three familiar faces from the <laughs> Manchester United games. Tell us where, your names and where you're from. Well, Billy Mack. Rick Gore. Pete Harrison. So, where have you been staying? So Manchester was... United have been staying in the Monte Castillo Hotel and Golf Resort. Yeah, which is my, my local your golf local, club. Right. Well, I play there, I live about 10 kilometres from there. Full time? So, no, ju- just a second home. Right. Mainly for the for the uh, for the summer after the United finish between end of end of May and September. So yesterday we we goes for the game of golf. Did you know United were there? No, we seen it. We seen it Tuesday. We went there and uh, we seen a we seen a little buggy yeah. with a Man United crest on. So I said to the kid who, who runs a pro shop. What's this about? He's put that on here. I think he's someone's having a crack for yeah. me, really. Yeah. And he goes, oh, oh where's United? It's Manchester United's buggy. And I went, what do you mean? And he says, oh, they're staying here. I went, oh, right, OK. So they're there all week. Right. So we go play golf, but Ricky's grandson is Danny. Right. Danny Gore, yeah. who's yeah. captain on yeah. the 20s. Yeah. So it comes down, we have a chat. Anyway... We go and play. No, he came down to right. see us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we were just playing golf. We didn't okay. know he was there. So we goes up. We we get to the thirteenth, which is a, a really highest highest hole on the course. Yeah. But it just overlooks the two training pitches. Right. So there's there's two lots of training going on. Probably the first team and the younger lads. And we thought, oh bollocks to it. You know, ex hooligans all off the buggy. Give it the big U-N-I-T-E-D. You like see that? Let's see for me. Just fucking looks up and went, that's a baby old bastard. Because <laughs> we, we went and practised the, the day before on, on there because it was too wet to play all bet too late. Love it. And, and, and Daddy come and seen his, his granddad. And he had a chat and all that. So, we, you know, so did yesterday... You, did you speak to any of the players? No, not, not, on, not on Tuesday, but... We on at the game against Cadiz. Yeah. We jibbed in the exec. Yeah. And John Mert is there. Mm. Well, I know John, so yeah. we were talking. He says, "I said, we're coming off some come and see you at the hotel. We're playing golf anyway." So he said, "Oh, Friday be all right." Mm. So we went. So we went down on yesterday, and he introduced us to uh, Etienne. Right. There's about nine of us. It was really, really receptive. Very, very nice, you know, and give us about 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. What was Eric like? He's very good. He spoke sensibly, had a little chip at me about my 
the size, and my grandson only not going to be the same size. <laughs> little chip, but nicely. So he knew, he knew your grandson was, yeah? Yeah, of course Brilliant. he did, yeah. My dad, grandson had a little bit of a, a thing last week with Marshall, if you remember. Yes, yeah. So that was my grandson anyway. Okay. But I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that's how they should have. There's a yeah, lot of that missing in the team. Yeah. Must so, be, it must make you very proud to have your grandson playing as a young professional for Manchester United. It's still a long way to go, isn't it? Of course, it? yeah. But just so to get to that level is, yeah, yeah, it's, is good progress. He's doing well and he's progressing well. So what was Eric Tenag like? Oh, like Billy said, he was very receptive to us. He took time out to talk to a really youngster we had with us, a, a nine-year-old, Kyle, the okay. little boy. And... Uh, he spent a time with us, with had a photograph with us, and he was just a really pleasure to be with, to yeah. be very honest, wasn't he? Yeah. That's yeah. amazing that you just stumble no. across him in the hotel. Well, the best part, though, we went and watched, we, we, we went and had a few drinks, and with the intention of the Brazil game would come on. We didn't expect um, any of the staff to be there. We thought we'd probably watch it in their own rooms and that, but m- most of the uh, backroom staff... Uh, Steve McLaren, uh, you know, Eric Tanag, John Mercer, all, all that lot came in the, the main room where we was and they watched the game. You know, there's, there's a couple of tellies in there, so we was watching it on one and kind of left them to themselves, watching it on the other. But when we was going and all that, and, and when they were going back up to the room, come over, said, you know, see you later, lads, and have a good time see tomorrow. You later, you drunken bastard. <laughs> yeah. Have a good time in Seville, but it was funny when we got here today. The bus was outside, they all betty, so yeah. we, we realised they're staying here. You basically keep stumbling across well, we professional keep football teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, I'm, I'm going to head into the ground. It's a shame it wasn't Liverpool because we're letting the fucking tyres down. <laughs> It's half time in uh, Real Betis. It's nil nil with Manchester United and with Chris Wheeler from the Daily Mail. Chris, you've been out on this tour. You've been in Cadiz, you're here in Seville. What have you made of it? I think it's been quite interesting. Obviously, it's been massively overshadowed by what's going on in uh, Qatar. Um, You can't get away from that, can you? Um, But hopefully they've got something good out of it. They've kept themselves going. They've got some good training in. Um, Clearly, the weather's not been what they were hoping for. Uh, It was meant to be quite nice out here. It's been very, very wet, storms, etc. But it's held off for the uh, two games. The first one against Cadiz, 4-2. Obviously, Eric changed things around completely at half-time and might well do again so here. Um, so it's very hard to go and judge the game by its merits. But uh, hopefully, he's got what he wants out of it. You were one of the journalists who sat down with Eric Ten Hag for an hour on Friday. Um, what did you make of that? Very interesting, really interesting. It was great to have some time with him in a slightly more relaxed setting. Obviously, it gave him a chance to go and discuss the events of the past couple of months that have been pretty turbulent um, hopefully he's done that um, and that's now being put to bed and he can move on and the club can move on but certainly having some time with him was um, excellent hopefully he got something out of it as well and and realised you know that that, um, you know, that the uh, media do have a decent side to us um, and uh, yeah just, just enjoy being with him enjoy watching the training very intensive actually yeah really intense training session in spite of the conditions um, very impressed with how hard the boys were going at it. Um, and yeah, everything good, all good. Any players impressed you? To be honest with you, I mean, Garnacho uh, continues to impress me. I mean, you can't get away from that, can you? Um, but even in training, just the sharpness, uh, getting the ball, driving at his man, going to the line, crossing it, 
his finishing uh, was absolutely uh, fantastic. He just looks an absolute talent. Um, very exciting. And he was the one definitely that, uh, that jumped out, yeah. The second half is about to start now. So let's concentrate and do our work. There's a whistle. Thanks, Chris. So that's it for this podcast. Manchester United lost 1-0 against Real Betis in front of 11,000. And there was obviously the defeat against Cadiz in front of 15,000. I wouldn't read too much into the score lines. It was a great experience for the younger players. And it was nice to see the parents of some of them out in Andalusia and to speak to them and to see how much they enjoyed it. Uh, I was surprised that the crowd was as low as 11,000 for the Betis game. The, for the fourth support, best supported team in Spain, the average crowd is almost 50,000. But it was a friendly. It was hardly against Manchester United's first team. Uh, it was in December. And um, there were two World Cup quarterfinals, of which England lost uh, one of them. We will bring the next podcast, probably do one more before the runner game starts. I just worked out that United played eight matches between the 21st of January and the 21st of uh, December when United played Burnley. And even after January, it's just going to be non-stop, especially if United are doing well in the Cups, as we hope that the team do. Uh, it was really nice to speak to Eric Tenag on this trip for a long time. And also the off-the-record stuff, just to get to know the person out of that sort of pressurised, um, fully being recorded, um, interview, press conference, live TV environment, just to talk to him about Dutch football, um, about his hopes and desires for this season, about his life, about his interests. I found that quite enjoyable and quite interesting and definitely worthwhile travelling um, for that. Great to see so many United fans out there. Hopefully we've got a good cross-section of the United fans on this podcast. And if you've not got the new mag, uh, it came out last week for the women's game. The women's team had another good result against Manchester City, uh, although just failed to beat City for for the first time. So plenty of positives uh, about, um, I suppose, the consolation of... um, England going out is that Marcus Rashford will be coming back, Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw will be coming back, so I'm more likely to be available for that big, big run of games. Anyway, until the next podcast, goodbye.